Welcome to this Bible Center Church Core class. We hope that this in-depth teaching of God's Word will challenge you to grow in your knowledge of Him and help you become a disciple who makes more disciples. So we are on our last core class in the section about creation and fall. We're looking at some of the remaining consequences and results of the fall. We said from the beginning, sin breaks everything. That includes creation itself, which we're going to look at. And then we're going to look at how do we then, as Christians, deal with a, the fact that our relationship with culture has been broken. How do we manage our relationship with culture as the church? Where do we engage? Where do we disengage? Where do we separate? Where do we jump in? So let's start by looking at just one statement from our membership statement of faith that goes along with our study in section I, which is the fall and the effects of sin. Point three says this, God commissioned Adam and Eve to rule over creation. However, through their sin, all of creation is broken, what we're going to talk about today. It's cursed and fallen. Humanity's relationship with God, with one another, and with creation itself is broken beyond human repair. Sin, suffering, and death have marred all of creation. If you're in your big book, we are in session three, and we're in the third point in session three. At the top, it should say, sin breaks creation itself. Genesis 3, 17 says this, Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you eat of it all the days of your life. So Adam and Eve sin, and God looks at Adam and says, Cursed is the ground, and God looks down at the ground. Cursed is the ground because of your sin. Adam was taken from the ground. He was told to name all living things. Adam tended the garden. The consequences of his sin were then passed on to everything that he was in charge of, everything he tended to, everything he oversaw. The broken world now has famines, drought, natural disasters, diseases, pandemics, and the peace that existed among all living things has now turned into competition and death in every single ecosystem on the planet. Many view God as the monster when it comes to natural disasters, hurricanes, tornadoes, even the pandemics, the pandemic that we're in presently. Why would God let this happen? Why did God do this to us? Biblically, we all sinned in Adam. And because of that sin, the ground, creation itself, is cursed. Before that sin, there wasn't disease. There weren't natural disasters. There wasn't death. So the monster isn't God. God didn't do this to us. According to Scripture, you and I, we are the monsters. We did this. It's our sin in our father Adam, as well as our ongoing sin that we do all the time. Creation is broken because of us. So the broken creation that causes so much pain isn't a result of God just choosing to punish us. It's a result of our own sin and consequences when we broke God's holy, beautiful creation. So we cannot let people say, why did you do this, God? We have to point our fingers at our own chest and recognize that we're the ones that caused the pain that we're, that we're dealing with. When he says at the top that we'll basically, it says in toil or in painful toil, you'll eat of it. That is the ground all the days of your life. What does painful toil look like day to day? There's just a reality that now planting, farming, creating, building in this world that's dying and decaying is a difficult thing. I think in the Garden of Eden, when things were planted, they just tend, tended to grow. The ground was like working for man. Now sometimes it works against man. We'll have droughts. Sometimes we get too much rain. We'll get mudslides. 
It just makes it more difficult. In the garden, before sin, work was a gift from God. You may not feel like work is a gift from God. I may not feel like work is always a gift from God. But before there was sin, work was a blessing. It was a gift from God. A part of his whole, it was a part of his holy world. But now, work is described for us as a, an experience of thorns and thistles. So when he was talking to Adam and basically said, now you will by, you'll tend the ground and deal with thorns and thistles, we're not all farmers. So we don't all deal with physical thorns and physical thistles. But the reality is, is that we're still dealing with very difficult things at all times to work to provide for our families. So there are literal thorns and thistles, but included is the sense that our work is now a fallen aspect of our life. How do we see this in the office? How do we see this on the assembly line? How do we see this in any place of work? Think about that boss who's mistreated you. Think about the employee that you can't seem to get to work hard. Uh, think about the difficulty of working with HR or maybe your accounting group. Uh, there are certain faces that pop in your mind. They're just very, very difficult at work. If you can't think of any face that's difficult to work with, maybe you're the thorn or maybe you're the thistle. Uh, just a reality that one of the hardest things at work is the sense of competition, pride, arrogance. We kind of fight against one another than work for one another. There's just a huge difference now than what God intended for work. So even though creation itself is broken, there's still a certain level of beauty in God's creation. And God still uses his creation to tell the world who he is. Here's a couple of verses that talk about that. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. This is a great one to memorize. Uh, if you're just looking for some verses to memorize, it says, For since the creation of the world, his, God's invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that no one is with excuse. So there is no excuse. God says, I've made myself known through my creation. His eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen. In Psalm chapter 19, verse 1, it talks about the fact that the heavens declare the glory of God. It says, day and night, the heavens pour forth speech, declaring the praiseworthiness of God. So it's like the greatest preacher lives in the skies, the stars, the sun, the moon. They declare the worth and the beauty and the power of our God day and night. In Romans chapter 8, verses 22 and 23, again, not only does creation scream God is real and God is beautiful and God is powerful, it also does this. It says, For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now, and not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for the adoptions of sons, the redemption of our bodies. So creation is super interesting. So within creation, it's both screaming glory as it groans. It shouts glory as it groans. Both things are true. Creation shouts of who Jesus is and the beauty and power of God, but also says and it is fully broken. So when it comes to the last point, on the next page, sin breaks society and culture. Man, like Adam in the garden, is not looking to God for help. Culture and society is not out pursuing God. He and culture is hiding from God and trying to fix, we're trying to fix ourselves. The church is in a difficult position trying to navigate the waters of the world as it's trying to reach the world. So the world is denying Christ 
and the church is called to introduce that same world to Christ. How do we do that? How do we become a witness without being sucked into sin and doubt? How do we conform to culture? How do we challenge culture? And how do we confront culture? And those are three different things that we need to figure out how to do. Because there's sometimes when the Bible says that we're called to be an ambassador. Paul will say, I'll do all things, or I'll be all things to all men that I might save some. Where there's a willingness, if you're a Roman, to dress like a Roman, to go into Roman places, to talk with Romans like a Roman does and then share the gospel. He walks into environments, Paul does, where he's talking to Greeks. He talks about Greek things and Greek points of view, and then he transitions to the gospel. So he doesn't just walk in and say, I reject the Roman Empire. I reject Greek ways of thinking and Greek culture. He adopts some Greek culture. He adopts some Roman ways of doing things and then goes into those with the opportunity to share the gospel. So when do we conform certain things? When do we challenge and say, hey, you know what? That's not okay. And we just choose not to participate in those things. And when do we go even farther and confront and attack certain aspects of our culture? Tim Keller has a quote there in the middle. It says, all churches must understand, love, and identify with their local community and social setting, and yet at the same time be able and willing to critique and challenge it. So there's this interesting dance. There's areas where we conform and then areas where we challenge and confront So let's talk about how different churches have handled this through the years. Not every church handles it the same, and not every church has the same success in actually communicating and showing that love of Christ to others. I'm going to go to the board. I'm going to draw up three examples. If you're listening on a podcast, I'll try to talk through those examples as I draw them. The first church I'm going to draw here on the left, I'm going to draw a C with a circle, which represents the church, and I'm going to draw a W with a circle that represents the world. I'm going to put a big line through the middle. This is the church that chooses to live completely separate from the world. It's almost like a a wall. This is this idea of a church that lives behind, you know, rose-colored pane glass windows, stained glass windows. Like, they just don't want to have anything to do with the world. They have withdrawn. So they've heard the verse that says, Be ye separate from the world. But they forgot something. They missed the verses that say, Be salt. Be light be ambassadors. Like those other verses also matter. You can't just pick one set of verses and ignore the others. So this church needs to be salt and light, not just be separate, but also be salt and light. If a church maintains this posture with culture, over time it has no witness, no impact, and it becomes irrelevant. Okay, not something that we want to be. I'll pick a different color. Uh, Another church might do it this way. So I'm going to draw a circle with a C in the middle, and I'm going to draw a bigger circle around it and put a W in it. So the C is in the W. It's when the church becomes so much like the world, it conforms so much that it loses its witness. It's no longer distinct from the world. In this situation, again, you can lose your witness because you have lost the gospel. When you're no longer distinct in what you believe, you have nothing to offer because you just are the world. You're not bringing something to the world. You're not bringing Jesus to the world. You just reflect the world. So this church needs to hear, be separate from the world. They've forgotten that. They've tried to be salt and light so much that their light has gone dim and their salt is no longer salty. 
So how do we navigate this? How do we do this in a way that reflects scripture and honors God? Again, I'm going to draw two circles, a C for the church and a W for the world. But instead of drawing a wall between the two, we need to learn how to create a bridge between the two. What are things that we can do with those that we know who don't know Jesus but doesn't cause us to be sinful? I could go golfing with someone, and that would create a relational bridge between me and someone who doesn't know the Lord. I could have a cookout. You could always eat barbecue with someone. Uh, you could read a book with someone that may or may not be religious in nature. So there's lots of different things that are amoral, they're not immoral, that you can do to connect with people in the world. Uh, your kids both may play soccer. You might go on runs together. You might go biking together. You might work out together. Um, you might mow grass at the same time. There's so many different things that you could do. Maybe you're both college football fans. And on Saturdays, you invite your neighbor over and you watch WVU football. And in that relationship, you've built some bridges. And over time, you have the ability to share Christ because you've built a relationship. So you're being salt, you're being light, but you're also not engaging in things that are destroying your witness or losing the gospel. You're still being separate. So this is how a church is called to connect with the world. When we do this, we become everyday missionaries. What I mean by that is that sometimes we think that missionaries are people that we send somewhere else. That's not at all what the Bible describes. He says all of us are ambassadors. All of us are called to make disciples. So wherever you have influence in the world, wherever you know people that don't know Jesus, that's your mission field, and you are the missionary. Well, when are you the missionary? Every day, you're a missionary to the people in your life. You're an everyday missionary. So that's how I would encourage you to think about how you have an impact on society, on your neighborhood, on people who don't know Jesus. At the bottom, a couple last thoughts. After surveying the consequences of the fall, the most natural conclusion is this. I need a Messiah. I need a Messiah. I am so broken. My relationships, myself, I need a Messiah. We need a Messiah. We need Jesus to save us from the brokenness of our relationships. And the world also needs a Messiah because the world itself is cursed and broken. Something to note before we jump into our salvation study is even in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we have been reading the consequences that were given right around this verse. But in the middle of the consequences, God says, there's one coming. I would go and I'd read it word for word. It's not easy to understand, but what he's saying is, through the woman, through the seed, through the ancestry of the woman, there's one who is coming who will crush the head slash the power of the serpent, okay? The serpent will bruise his heel and he will crush his head. In that moment, they probably did not understand what that meant. In fact, it's really hard to understand, but in Galatians chapter 3, it talks about that passage. It also talks about Genesis chapter 12, where God says, through you, Abraham, all nations will be blessed. So through the seed of the woman, God pulls out Abraham, and through Abraham, he makes a promise that through you, one is coming through whom all will be blessed. One who will crush the head of the serpent is the one who will bless all nations. So over time throughout the Old Testament, we get a clear and clear glimpse of a Messiah who's coming a Messiah who can fix the curse. Everything is broken, one who's coming who could potentially save all things. So as we move from this study into that study, we had to see how dark it really is before we could see how bright the light is when the Savior comes.
So hopefully you've enjoyed this journey. If you've completed all, all of these different studies we've done in creation and the fall, I'd love for you to go to the website and click on the box that you've completed it. Again, as you complete each major section, I will be able to keep track of that. And once you have them all completed for all of our 201 level core classes, I would love to give you a certification to prove and to show that you've gone through it. It's a big deal. Just like a pastor would put you know, up on his wall that he's graduated from something, this is significant. This is probably comparable to two different, or maybe even three, seminary classes kind of pushed together. So I appreciate your diligence in going through these things. I hope it's growing you, blessing you, challenging you. Uh, if you have questions, I would love to get together with you, talk to you more about it. But I would encourage you to keep pushing through as these core classes keep coming out. Appreciate you. Love you. See you soon.